Do you mind if we just start that over? Not at all. All right. Let's call the whole thing off. Carmina, Carmina, Barina, Barana. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> Sorry. Classical music jokes, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Off the Charts, a stellar newscast. I'm Whitney Fishburne in Washington with my colleague, co-host, and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace in New York. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Whitney. We are both renegades from corporate media who report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news. We not only want to show you how the media manipulates you into working against your best interests, we want to help you anticipate the cycles and trends that are coming in the world so you can see that it is not a random, chaotic, scary place, as the news would absolutely have you believe, but part of an ensouled universe where cycles within cycles strongly suggest there is a greater consciousness enfolding us, moving through and around us, a larger intelligence that is more awesome than we humans could or will ever be, even if we are amazing. And even if we don't understand just what these cosmic impulses are and where they come from. Most importantly, Elizabeth and I want to encourage you to participate in the unfoldment of what our universe has in store. I want to throw this in there too. We matter. We humans matter. But where the impulse to matter comes from, that's the mystery that impels us. And I think what what I realized lately we are in the process of doing is actually deconstructing this attempt to conquer or contain that impulse, which is part of that hierarchical paradigm, which has led us to the uh, verge of extinction as human beings. And I cannot thank you enough for bringing this, this notion of unsustainability of a hierarchical system, because someone is always being crushed by someone above. The Knights of the Round Table, for one brief shining moment, you know, why in our collective consciousness was some state of being so brief? Why didn't that last? When I was a little, when I was but a girl, that Arthurian, Arthurian legend, the story of Camelot, crushed me. Mm. That, that they couldn't work out their petty differences and desires. And why couldn't they just keep it together? Why did they have to betray each other? Why, why was there this, this why, did, why did, was this destructive energy? Why did the destroyer win that round? Why? Um, I didn't expect you to ask that question. And I first have to overcome my Elizabethan (laughs) impulse to spit out a jukebox tune here. (laughs) Because you're always singing every time something. It only comes, whatever it is. I can't. can't. If ever I would leave you. (laughs) (laughs) It would never be in summer. Anyway. In the bring that up because um, I was thinking about that. I've written about that a lot lately, but I think, I actually think that it's the, um, came around the Bronze Age, right? The notion that we should uh, build empires. And I think that we're at the point now where we realize empires don't sustain themselves indefinitely. And, you know, we have a lot to say about that if you're going to look at the American empire and the chart that goes with it. And, you know, people are like, we're not, 
I don't know who really does say that anymore that America's not empire building. I don't hear that discussed in in politics anymore, but um, if anybody actually does ascribe to that, that we don't build empires, then they're wrong. <laughs> that's exactly what we've been doing. Um, regardless, I think that that's what the Pluto return in our chart as, as a nation <clears throat> is pointing to is, is that the hierarchies that come with empire building are unsustainable because they only move upward. They move all resources upward. They uh, they insist upon ranking who should have access to resources, mm-hmm. but they also then mean that whoever is top the chain only has access to the resources, but then those resources run out. So they may be the last ones to die, but they're still going to die. <laughs> you know, we're all going to die. And that's actually the truth. If we were to keep on thinking in this very linear hierarchical way, um, the planet will go on. I've actually never really um, worried that the planet would end because the planet will figure out a new way to to form itself. But but humans, you know, we may die out, and I don't think the cosmos would notice too terribly much. <laughs> I really don't. You said something though that speaks to why astrology is so appealing. You said. We matter where, but where the impulse to matter comes from is the mystery that impels us. The, the impulse to make it mean something. I mean, that's what we're doing as astrologers. We're looking around, observing these cycles that are consistent. They repeat themselves. And we insist on finding meaning in these patterns as astrologers right that that i think is actually the point of being human yeah. is is to is to find out that we matter mm-hmm. but the trick is is that we are the ones who give the meaning to the mattering exactly which is actually the creative impulse that dies when you don't regenerate it so yes. your question about why did the Arthurian round table disintegrate into betrayals? I think that that was actually, I mean, I don't know. I didn't study this. Well, actually I did. I studied La Morale d'Auteur. I did study some of this in college, but God only knows what we talked about then. I can't remember. <laughs> it was too many years ago. So now thinking about it, what I am reflecting is, is that it was just probably presaging the clash of um fighting for resources that we were going to, through this empire building, decide we're going to be limited and who was going to have access to them. When it, it was, eventually it became the fight over Guinevere's love, right? And I think of love and the earth and, you know, all of that feminine type of energy, everything that is feminine in the yin yang sort. I don't mean feminine, like she's, you know, what a hot bot or whatever, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So um, I think that that was probably a presaging of, well, this is the, this is the direction we're going in since we've decided to fall in line with the idea that there should be a capitas, you know, a head capita, and then we should all let it decide mm-hmm. who's going to matter more instead of, oh, this is a thing that's happening. I'm going to decide what the meaning of that is so that it reflects to me what matters. 
But it's always coming down to matter, right? Mother, matter. It always comes down to how we define what matters. It's ours to decide the meaning behind the fact that we are matter. I mean, when I was in high school, uh, my teachers thought it was appropriate that we study Sartre and existentialism. And, you know, I remember reading a book called Les Jeux Sans Fait, uh, which was this, this star-crossed lovers who made a series of choices and ended up having to part because one of them died. I'm not, I can't remember the particular of the plot, but I'm, I remember at that time also being so devastated that they didn't make the choice they could have made that which would have enabled them to continue living together and loving each other. Mm -hmm. And then they got a second chance. Mm -hmm. And they messed it up. It was like this inevitable fate that they couldn't get it together. And it's mirrors sort of the Arthurian legend. It kind of, maybe you go all the way back in, in Western thought, you know, with the whole Garden of Eden's thing, you know, why couldn't it last? Why couldn't this, why did everybody have, why did Adam and Eve have to get kicked out of paradise? Why? Well, I think so that is fair. That's so bastardized though. Oh yeah. I mean, the way that that gets interpreted, that, you know, de facto is because women suck and they were stupid and all that kind of thing. So I'm not even going to entertain well, that. Yeah, just blame, because, yeah, blame women. But I think the key here, and then let's get back onto the scripture. Yeah, let's get back into our astrology. The, um, the key yeah. to what you were saying, though, is, is um, you know, you said it twice. There's a choice. We are, you know, and that is what I find so beautiful and mysterious and kaleidoscopic about astrology is that, you know, the way I always share it at the beginning of a reading, you know, when I talk to clients is, look, I have only so many pieces of, of colored glass, right? Mercury, uh, the sun, Mars, Venus, etc. These are my little pieces of colored glass. But your horoscope, the, cha the chart, the natal chart, when I throw those pieces of glass in there, wherever they start out, that's just the beginning of the pattern. Then we twist it and we move it around. And these uh, 10, it depends on however, whatever it is I'm using, but we'll just say 10. Sometimes I use more, sometimes I use less, whatever. These 10 pieces of colored glass, when you shift them around, they make different patterns every time and all of them are beautiful mm -hmm. and all of them can have meaning and all of them show us the beautiful arrangement of the many influences. But what is the mystery is which ones of these are karmic and coming to you regardless, which ones are the choices you can make, and what choices you make will actually shift the karma that you, you are here to deal with. And that is that mystery, is you're never sure. So you should live with intention, and you should live with clearly participating in these cycles and these things moving through you. Because, yeah, I believe in fate, that the form and the shape fate takes is excited for us to help create whatever it's going to be. And I guess that is my philosophy is, is that, yeah, I am a fatalist, but I'm also somebody who believes very strongly in my choice to participate in my fate, because that alone, that interaction can mean that my fate either takes on a, um, a punitive quality or one that is uh, fulfilling, because even if it's painful sometimes, I was showing up for it. It didn't happen to me. It happened through me. And that's a very different dynamic. That is how I feel about that intro that we always make. And, you know, I think you pointed out that choice is involved and that's critical. 
I see you nodding. I know you want to talk about this and we'll get to this um, because we're going to address a listener question. Let's shelve the philosophy for a minute. And let me just say meh. <laughs> meh. Because I hate to say I told you so. Well, I don't. Actually, I say I told you so a lot. So, <laughs> but <laughs> about Mars and Jupiter having set up camp together in Aries and how that was going to set off some hotheads. So I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. But I'm going to say, gosh, it seems like guns are blazing all over the place since we commented on the Uvalde slaughter of innocents. There's a lot of momentum. There's really been a lot of people saying, okay, that's it. Gun laws, we need to actually pass them. There's legislation waiting to be signed. The, you know, the face of the 50 senators who won't, I call them the face of fascism. You're going to, I'm going to let you talk about this, but what we saw in addition to um, the Aries camp where Mars and Jupiter are together, and I said, you're going to start, we were going to see a lot more of this kind of explosive activity. And, and that's something in America, people are getting shot all the time. We would see more of it, and we have, and we also, we both talked about how we would see people starting to demand action and be very aggressive about their demands for action, and it looked like it might be happening, and people were communicating about that. We had Mercury right there with Algol, which seemed to say, look, we're losing our heads over this, but Mercury stationed out of its retrograde, and it started to play footsie, almost making a square with Saturn, and instead Saturn and Mercury turned their backs on each other yes that's a great vision that's a wonderful Turn image to put out their there backs on each other and what i see with that is our government leaders turned their backs so they are saturn they turned their backs when saturn went retrograde it was them turning their backs on the people who were communicating what they wanted and they were right then with algal this this losing their head kind of energy this like this is what we want we had our usual guns don't kill people, people kill people, and all that bullpucky. The problem is, is that we've allowed the news and these propagandists to hijack our, hijack our language. And so they just talk about gun laws and guns. These are not guns. They are weapons of war. And more specifically, they are child annihilators, gut exploders, organ disintegrators. That's what they do. They blow people up. These children blow into pieces. They bleed to death and they are exploded. What I think could be out of this moment, our generation's Emmett Till moment, because we're about on Sunday, we're about to see Venus conjunct uh, Uranus. And in this quest that I have to make sure that we are really clear on the words we're using to describe what's happening that it's not just somebody going in with a with a gun and shooting people. It's somebody going in with a really easily obtained weapon of war and destroying human beings who have no idea what's coming. And when the medical examiners have to actually put them back together to do their exams, the look of shock on these people's, on these babies' faces. I think that Venus meeting up with Uranus in Taurus is going to show us is, is that somebody's finally going to say, here's the picture that you are not seeing. This is why I liken it to Emmett Till. And I've been seeing, especially in the medical community, Emmett Till back in 1955, he was this 14 year old uh, black boy from Chicago, was visiting cousins or somebody in Mississippi. And I think, I think he did actually whistle or say something sassy, right? To a white woman who then accused him of rape or attempted rape and all this other stuff. So some good old boys abducted him beat the shit out of him, poked out his eyes, 
just mutilated him, threw him in in a river. And then at his funeral, his mother said, don't you close that casket. I want everybody to see what those men did to my son. She was so brave in sharing her pain. And I, I fully expect we're at that moment. And that's what I am personally thinking that this Venus, Uranus, so Venus, harmony, a vision, what brings people together, Uranus, shocking, liberating the truth in Taurus, what keeps us secure. I think all that's going to come together. We're going to start seeing pictures of what this crappy situation really looks like. Yeah, the venus Uranus conjunction happens Saturday night. It will be happening on the uh, day of the March for Our Lives again. That's going to be happening all over the world, thanks to the efforts of people like David Hogg, who was a survivor of the Parkland school shooting a few years ago. And it's happening on a day when the moon is in Scorpio. It's happening on a waxing moon that's going to be full on Tuesday. It's very potentially illuminating, especially illuminating thing. But what I wanted to say, before we get to these two very important patterns, the Mercury-Pluto trine, which digs up dirt and presents persuasive arguments, it'll be at the very end of Taurus at that time. So there's going to be a sense of urgency about our material comfort and security. Coupled with this Venus-Uranus conjunction, this disruptive energy in matters related to aesthetics and values and worth and money. And, and the aesthetics part might be the revelation that you may that we may see the visual revelation about, about what guns actually do. But what I want to say is we had this Mars-Jupiter conjunction on May 29th. And then we have this 10-day stretch even more than 10 days, with no exact aspects among the planets, Ptolemaic aspects, certain kinds of aspects that do not involve the moon. So what, what, what it's like, it's this, the image that I, the two images that I have for this pattern, which doesn't happen very often, is like there's a, something that's been let loose because the, the planets, the patterns themselves are in a loose configuration. They're not actually connecting with each other. And the, and the effect is, if you translate that, well, what can we expect? What I've observed is in these moments of sort of suspended animation, a letting loose of, of what? Well, this Mars-Jupiter, this Mars-Jupiter and Aries, this expansion of aggression and, the, and then dissolving the boundaries. Guy buys gun in... Tulsa, right. after having back surgery, doesn't like it. One hour, um, one hour later, or within a matter of hours, he goes and takes out the surgeon and, and another doctor. And it, it's so, but it's like, it, it's like, like a line was crossed. It's like a glacier, an ice shelf collapsed into the ocean all of a sudden. But we had this, but, but it's like a, a certain decorum a certain respect of, you know, oh, there are certain lines that we don't, we will not cross, seem to have dissolved in the last 10 days. And, you know, how does that reflect planetary patterns? It reflects this Mercury losing its head in touch simultaneously with Saturn, which is trying to control things and keep it real, and Neptune, which is dissolving everything. Uh, there's a pattern that's going to be in effect, and it will continue into February of 2023. 
where we have Neptune at about 25 degrees Pisces right now and Saturn in the language of astrology, necessary control and authority and mortality. And, you know, but we need an ambition. I mean, it, there are very good things about Saturn and there are very good things about Neptune. Uh, Saturn is at 25 Aquarius. So they're 30 degrees apart. So what happens is as the other planets go through their cycles, when they make contact with Saturn, they are also simultaneously in contact with Neptune. So it's like, so Mercury, how we need to think, comes along and connects with Saturn and has the potential to get serious and structure stuff and maybe cut things out that doesn't work and, you know, build something solid with its intellectual thought form. But it's not a pure connection because Neptune is right there. Yeah. And Neptune is the fog. Neptune yeah. is the dissolving the boundaries. Neptune is also the vision. So, so we have these moments where things seem, oh, wow, we've got an ambition that's truly inspirational or, or not. It could be just delusional. And so this pattern is going to be in effect until February of 2023. So you imagine when Mars, for example, when Mar Mars is in Gemini, for example, and squares Neptune, it will be trining Saturn. When Mars is in Taurus, as it will be next month, it will square Saturn and sextile Neptune. But it will have every planet that comes into contact with either of these things is going to have to deal with both of them at the same time. And if you look long-term as to how this relates to the horoscope most commonly used for the United States, the Sibley chart, which is the Declaration of Independence that, you know, after 5 p.m. on July 4th, 1776. Where does this go? You're going to see this constant, you know, hammering of here's a planet and it has to deal with these two elements of the real and the surreal. And in 2025, Saturn and Neptune will finally come together. They will, they will conjoin, they'll be conjunct. They won't be 30 degrees anymore. They're going to be one in the same place at zero degrees of Aries and one degree of Aries, which is where Mars and Jupiter were on May 29th. And this is the point that corresponds to the foundation of the US horoscope. So you can look as astrologers and go, all right, what are we dealing with? In At the end of May, 2022, we're dealing with this outburst, this expansion of assertion and aggression and crusading, et cetera. And it's, try, it's also having to manage both Saturn and Neptune. And now three years from now, the United States is gonna be dealing with the real and the unreal at the very core of its foundation. And we're gonna be able to tie back whatever is going on then to this big expansion of energy that we're dealing with now. From the classical perspective of what you just described, Saturn and Neptune are in aversion. 
meaning they can't see each other at all. Mm -hmm. It's wrong mm -hmm. these 30 degrees apart. So what that means, you know, I'm not going to reiterate everything you said, but it's just basically that all of these planets in contact with one is not seen by the other. So there's just no yes. way they could ever see eye to eye, ever. So eventually somebody's going to have to come forward. It's like, and which will it be? And I have... I just listened to what you were saying and I haven't thought about this astrologically. I've wondered about it just, you know, just wondering topically, but what you just so brilliantly outlined, I really, I do. I think everybody needs to know. I am, I'm always in awe. <laughs> I am. I just think I have so much respect for you. You're so good at this. Um, it's going to be probably, so what were the dates again? It was summer of 2025. So, you know, so, so, you know, well, so Saturn and Neptune are eventually, you know, Saturn is going to go into Pisces next year. You know, oh. Michael Luton said a wonderful thing about people born with Saturn and Pisces. They turn their art, they turn their suffering into an art form. Well, this okay. is, you, okay, this is, so you're going where I was going, just looking at this topically. I think it's possible, first of all, we could finally see the, the nation break apart. I'm not saying that I do think that would happen, but I think, or we get a new political party, but somehow we're going to have a completely new ethos arise. It will be a new vision and around that will be the new structure. Mm -hmm. And the people who cannot cope with it, like for example, Fox News is not going to show the um, January 6th insurrection hearings. I guess they're gonna run reruns of- No, ben they're gonna have Tucker Carlson do his show. Well, they should just have the Benghazi reruns. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that the people who really cannot, cannot supply meaning of what is the matter. And right now we do not agree on what the matter is because the things that have held us together as, as a group and, you know, we've all agreed mattered within the, American rubric of what it is to be an American, etc. The ones who cannot get on board with what happens as Saturn and Neptune go through their dance and then their renaissance, those are going to be the people who don't. They don't. And I, I see the schism and however it actually forms itself and manifests, we really aren't going to be a nation that includes each other's vision. We can't. It won't happen. And we'll know what that means per your brilliant explanation just then, uh, technically, by summer of 2025. I think summer 2025. And we'll be through the Pluto return. We'll have been through the Pluto return. We will have been through the 2024 elections. And oh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Uranus will be hanging out at the end of Taurus on Algol. So there's just basically there's disruption. There's you know there's, there's the, the disruption, the 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 surprise element. And now of course, um, you know these patterns are going to be affecting the whole world. So it's not just the United States, but the United States is especially um, activated by planets at the early degrees of Aries, which is a prominent placement, and it is also a turning point. For anyone who hasn't heard us before, Algol is a fixed star. Medusa, the Gorgon's head, it's when, you know, it's considered a very potent evil to some, but just potent star associated specifically with severing, right? A severing of the head. So 
maybe it could mean war of some kind, but it also, because it's Uranus, disruption, breaking apart, breaking free, could mean the country does break into pieces. We start to have a different shape to our map. It could also mean we break apart from capitalism, capitalism, because capitalism is all about the head. And, and Pluto we- will be in Aquarius by that time. Yeah, and they and are out of out of leading Capricorn, leaving so hopefully finished. It's oh, I just got a ding on on. A, so that 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 must be something, you know. When you have this electronic response to whatever you said, so let's get back to the idea of the um, astrology of the the upcoming insurrection hearings. We talked about this in our last show, so I won't spend too much time on it. But what's fascinating is the angles of the horoscope are within a few minutes meaning just a fraction of one degree of the angles of the horoscope of the Sibley chart of the United States. And, and I really do want to let people know, we don't, as far as I know, you don't have anybody from Capitol Hill who's in your practice. And I know that I do consult with some people in Washington that might surprise folks, but I did not have anything to do with this chart. Right. You can't take credit for it. So, you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. And then you kind of go, well, yeah, of course it would have to be. You, then, then you start one. Then you start thinking, well, if they weren't, and see, that's the fascinating thing. You know, when you're not using astrology to make choices, and then you do something, and and you see the, you see what it's for, and an astrologer makes certain assumptions about what would be really nice to see in such a chart, and then you go and look at it, and it's like, well, there it is. It's what you expect to see. It looks like what they're trying to do, and why would they be? motivated why would they be drawn to choose that particular time and that particular day because they didn't have to but they did and so it's like there is some logic Mm -hmm. to this whole you know world we're living in it's not just random chaos there's a logic so you are you also saying elizabeth that that guarantees a certain outcome i mean i a lot is going to come to light Uh, There's no doubt that they're going to reveal that much will be revealed. It's meant to be a leading question because what I'm, (laughs) what I'm actually doing is saying, look, going back to our earlier conversation about fate and destiny and so forth, just because a chart actually reflects the logic of the people who may or may not have had any idea that they were doing something that lined up astrologically with their intentions that doesn't guarantee, I would not say that that guarantees the outcome. I would say that it sets it up for an easier um, um, series of events toward your desired outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, there is something called electional astrology where you do create a chart to facilitate a particular outcome. Right. What you're Which saying is, is that without the knowledge of astrology so far as you and I know, it looks like they set up an electional chart, like they set up an intention of everything going their way. And now it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee that, but it does stack the deck. They set up an auspicious time. Uh, we talked about a couple of things that I wish that weren't, they weren't done a little better. Um, you know, there's a bit of a closed circuit here in terms of intellectual, you know, the ideas being presented. There is a closed circuitry here. So it's going to be hard to penetrate if people are not on board with this you know, if they're not on board with these values and mindset, it's going to be hard to pierce it. My wonderful teachers, Lee Lehman said, you cannot elect what the natal chart denies. So in other words, you, we can have this beautiful chart that suggests 
shedding light on the core foundation of the United States. But when you look at the horoscope of the United States, you simply cannot escape the fact that it's being shaken to the core and it needs to go through this process. So, you know, it's, it, yeah, that's, that's that weird mystery we were talking about that there yeah. are things in fate that you can participate in and it may, may or may not go the way you wanted to, but you participated. So it was still your choice, even though it was fated, but there are going to be times where you want something and the universe is saying, yeah, well, sorry. You were talking about the surprise potential of Venus conjunct Uranus and Taurus. So in the horoscope for this opening night of the hearings, Venus rules the midheaven, how it is seen, its reputation, and also the judge. Okay, if there were a judge in this, there is no judge. Maybe the public is the judge. Um, so Venus is pretty darn strong, but it's about to meet up with this Uranus. So there are going to be some surprises. And I mean, Saturn is, is sitting there right on the cusp. I'm speaking in, in jargon here, but uh, I'll translate it. Saturn is right on the cusp of the third house how people need to think, the mindset, um, it, it's, it's heavy. I, I almost wonder when we have Neptune together with Saturn, the, dis the disillusion potential with Neptune and Saturn, and Saturn being tradition in some cases or structure, is the sense of betrayal. That's how I wonder about the, the manifestation of the combination together. Well, the that's a really interesting uh, Point. We had a Saturn-Neptune conjunction in Libra in the early 50s. I'm looking at the Ephemeris, which is a, it's like, it's, it's one of the best books out there. You just, just read, you just read the cycles of the planets and you just go, oh, this is how things are going to be evolving. And, and so there's an idealism and, and element of the surreal, you know, how, how do you manifest that? How do you manifest this vision of fairness and equality and balance, which is what Saturn-Libra together in uh, Libra would want to do? How has this generation, uh, you know, when they look back on their lives, what are the disappointments? What are the betrayals that they might have experienced because their focused vision of reality, vision is Neptune, reality is Saturn, didn't happen? Yeah, that, that's how I see that together, or potential of it is the, the betrayal, the the uh, the washout of the um of the leader the washout of the structure or also the fog created around the leader so you don't really see the truth spider. so now we get to spider's question spider wants to know why me elizabeth seems more pessimistic about the doom and gloom of our current national situation than whitney does why do i sound more pessimistic well probably because i'm having this saturn return right now so that's pretty heavy and, and but also um and also because I just explained to you like where, where, what the United States needs to experience in its evolution, okay, for better or for worse. And it's challenging, okay? It's really challenging um, to be living in these. And Whitney, you, you expressed it so beautifully when you talked about how what I was saying, you know, every planet is going to connect with Saturn and Neptune at the same time, reality and, and the surreal at the same time. But neither Saturn nor Neptune is aware of each other's existence. So you can't, you cannot, you can't have a vision that creates structure. It's challenging. Or maybe you can, but it's really challenging. And so the story I want to say about this, you know, I appreciate being called out on it is, is I, I actually 
am a huge fan of this little Chinese, uh, you know, story of the Chinese farmer, okay, where the Chinese farmer is, he, he, you know, a horse wanders into his field and everybody goes, oh, that's so wonderful. A horse wandered into your field. You've got a free horse. Isn't that the best thing that ever happened? And the Chinese farmer looks at them cryptically and says, maybe. And then his son gets on the horse and takes the horse for a ride. And the horse throws the son and the son falls and smashes his leg. And everybody says, oh, this is so terrible. Oh, my God, this is the worst thing. This, this horse is such a curse and blah, blah. And the Chinese farmer says, maybe. And then the, and then the, the king's army comes marching through town and says, all right, every able-bodied young man is coming with me and I'm taking you to war. And of course the Chinese farmer's son can't go because his leg has been smashed by the horse that maybe it wasn't a curse at all. So we don't know if these seeming catastrophes really are. So yeah, I may seem pessimistic, but in the back of my mind, I am, I am aware maybe these things that seem arduous are blessings in disguise. We don't know because we don't know what the end of the movie is. I don't think humans are the end game. Mm. So mm -hmm. what do we do to ourselves through choice? We're not destined. I mean, this is definitely the truth as far as I'm concerned. We are not destined one way or the other. We are choosing to make things matter. Okay, and and but I do think that there can be tipping points where enough of us collectively choose a particular outcome, mm -hmm. and enough of us particularly, you know, choose a different outcome. And then, you know, maybe that's that Saturn and the Neptune, where they're just gonna go off in different directions. They're not gonna see each other. And maybe we'll be in. This sounds very metaphysical, but I could I could believe in this, where two groups. Inhabit, you know, the Saturn group and the Neptune group inhabit the planet at the same time, and they are living in totally separate realities. Oh, well, just, well, just look. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the whole human experience, right? Tre Trevor Noah had this great bit that he did on, uh, he was talking about the Roe v. Wade and the, the, you know, how, I forget which, which, senator was saying how fabulous it was that the, it should just be thrown back to the states uh yeah that's a good argument let's leave it up to the states because not all states agree but maybe we should leave it up to the counties within the states because not all counties agree and then maybe it should be individual cities and then maybe it should be individual you know neighborhood blocks and and then but wait a minute in my own house i have an opinion and somebody else doesn't have an opinion that i share so at the end of the day, maybe it's, we should just leave it up to the individual. And some people would say, well, that's deconstructionism where nothing matters and it's all relative. No, that's called e pluribus unum, where we come up with structures that actually can be flexible enough and therefore free enough yeah. to support the moment at hand. And that is actually a very Aquarian expression of Saturn structure. Yes. And that's where we are headed. Yeah. But, but, but that's not to deflect from, from the question. So why am I optimistic? And I really think it just comes down to, I believe I go beyond this life. I believe mm -hmm. that 
my life as a human being in this, you know, that, that Whitney Fishburne is, is not the end game. And that's why I, I just I don't take myself that seriously. And I used to, but I don't anymore. And I really think that that's maybe, I'm not saying that's the difference between you and me, but I am saying that's at least how, if it's being perceived that I'm more optimistic about the situation, I think that's why is because I realize that, you know, it's a local stop to a bigger adventure, a bigger journey. And, and I just don't think that this is it. This is the end game. Yeah. I, I'm actually in agreement with you on that, but I'm also keenly aware of the short-term experience of humans. Yeah, well, you know, it may, may be um, uncomfortable. And so coping strategies are get to know the planetary patterns so you can appreciate the astrologic and potential of what's going on. Every pattern, patterns are neither positive or negative. They have both potentials. You know, it's up to humans to figure out what they're going to do. And you in your own personal world can continue to be, to empower yourself by expressing gratitude for what you have. The attitude of gratitude is empowering because it cannot be taken away from you. You cannot be a have not if you acknowledge that you have something, anything, even if it's a, you know, even if it's a, a an apple, you, you, you are grateful for something. You have something, you have power. I hope we answered your question. Um, and if you have a question, whoever you happen to be, please send it to us. You can find how to contact us by going to our show page, um, which is ensold.substack.com. If you want to see the forecasts on which this podcast is predicated, you would go to, well, I'll have a link in the show page anyway, but you would definitely want to check out Elizabeth's graceastrology.com. Um, if you would like to book a consultation, especially with a modern psychological uh, astrologer, you would go to Elizabeth's site graceastrology.com. Uh, I am actually not taking new clients until September. You can make appointments, but it won't be until the fall. You can find that at unsoldastrology.com. And I think it's really important to let people know this is our last episode until mid-July because I need to go south. I need to go down and see some family members. So we're going to take a break. Um, we'll be back in July with episode 10. And when we come back, we can, we can armchair quarterback everything that happened and there will be a lot we'll have supreme court rulings and uh and j6 committee stuff and everything else that's going on in the world because it's not just the united states and we really do delight in knowing that we are somehow in our you know in our small but earnest way helping you make sense out of the seeming chaos and we just love that we're able to share our thoughts and hear your thoughts I just have one last thing to say, and that is please share us. I am terrible at social media. Elizabeth, you are so much better at the social media. And so I'm not going to say like and subscribe and blah, 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 because I just, I don't get in there and start responding to everybody on Facebook and all of that. But if you like what you hear, and if we make you think, and you would like to talk about it, whatever it is that comes out of our podcasts with others, share it with them and then ask them what they think. And maybe you guys can... Let us know how that conversation went. Until then, look up. <laughs>